and welcome to the Questions of Life podcast. I'm Kath. I'm here with Donald. Hello. In our discussion today, we are talking about the whole area of losing our faith. Can we lose our faith? Is it once saved, always saved, making it to heaven? Questions around that. Enjoy our conversation. Okay, so we're talking about questions around can I lose my faith? Now, we're quite old. See, like, I'm offending you, aren't I, completely this evening. We will remember back to the 80s, the 90s, to the athlete Jonathan Edwards. Now, he was a triple jumper, and he was excellent. He won Olympic gold medal. He won uh, world golds, set the uh, world record as well. And in his early days, he came out and he said, I'm a Christian, I believe in God. And he felt really passionately that he shouldn't compete on a Sunday. He said, the Sunday is my Sabbath, and it says in the Bible that I am to have a day of rest. And so he said, if there's a competition on a Sunday, I'm not going to compete. And for the first few years, he did that. And then he began to think about it, and he said he prayed about it, and he reconciled it uh, between him and God and felt it was right to compete on the Sabbath, but still keep prioritizing God in his life and have another day of rest, if you like. And so throughout his career, it was very clear he was a Christian. He did uh, songs of praise, lots of different things. When he retired, there was a whole host of things that came to the fore for him. I think like many people, when you retire, there's a loss of, what am I going to do each day? And then there were various other issues that he had. And in the midst of that, he said he got to a point where all of a sudden, he began to think about his faith and how it was very much driven by his parents when he was younger. And he got to the point where he actually thought, I don't need this anymore. I don't actually believe in God. And he would say that he lost his faith. And uh, uh, he lives with his wife, who's a Christian. Uh, they have two children. They don't go to church, and they're comfortable uh, with that. And he would say that his life is fine, and uh, he's not missing out on anything. But you look at that story and you think, here was a guy that was saying, I'm a Christian, I'm going for it. And then just over time, things changed. And he got to a point where he kind of gave up on his faith. What do you think losing our faith actually is? What, what does that whole thing mean to you? Well, I think it's a huge subject that, 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 that means different things in different experiences. So for some people like like that, it's a deliberate recognition of saying, I no longer believe something. Mm -hmm. For other people, it's not that they would say, I no longer believe it. They might say, I no longer feel able to practice as a Christian, mm -hmm. but deep down, I think it's still true. I just can't live it out. So some people mean that. Some people, it's that they would say, yeah, no, I'm still a Christian, but if we were to look at it, we would wonder where the evidences of Christian living are. So there's a spectrum there. Uh, for some people, it's simply recognizing that perhaps they thought they were a Christian. Mm -hmm. And actually, they realized that that wasn't anything that they'd ever really owned or believed themselves. But that's where they went along with the crowd or the group. For other people, that language is around about really trying to grapple with big questions and it's not that faith has been lost but it's more that faith is, is being held onto by fingertips and people are struggling with doubts and questions and um, arguments if you like with God so there's a whole range of things that we mean so it's a huge spectrum isn't it is from the person that says no actually it's not for me to the person that worries 
I don't feel like I'm a very good person. Uh, I'm really struggling with yep. God. Yeah. To the person that were well, they actually a Christian in the first place? Yep. All, all of those people yep. on on the spectrum. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's look at perhaps those people that um, make a conscious decision, or uh, are at this end of the spectrum. So have perhaps drifted or some of the circumstances of life have pushed them in a place where they're questioning their faith, they're questioning God, they're questioning, is this worth it? What, what, what's going on here? Am I actually a Christian? Does, does God exist? Mm. Even though at some point they'd have said, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. If we talk about those kind of people, it's very often not just one thing that's a contributing factor. When we were talking about Jonathan Edwards, there was a guy who uh, interviewed him in his early years and uh, was really, really impressed with him, was impressed with just the fact that he was an Olympic champion, but just his faith and his honesty and just the way that he lived his life. And so he continued to follow his career and regularly um, interviewed him. And then when he heard that he was saying, oh, I'm not interested in Christianity anymore. It made him want to do a whole load of research. So he has done a shed load of research with people that have got to that point of saying, I don't know why I was a Christian. I don't believe in it. And he's called Dr. Marriott. And he said this. He talks about a deconversion. That's those people at this very end of the spectrum that say, it's not for me anymore. He said, every sort of deconversion story is like a recipe. It's never simplistic. It's never just one reason. It's usually a combination of ingredients, preparation, and environment. The more stories that you read of people who, were, who once were Christians and no longer are, you start to see themes develop in how they were raised, how they were discipled, what they were told Christianity was, how they were told they needed to live out their Christianity. And that plays a huge role in their loss of faith. So lots of different ingredients, he's saying. What do you think are some of the ingredients that actually lead people down towards that end of the the scale, the spectrum? Yeah, I think, I I mean, again, it's something that that I observe and experience and walked alongside people with. And uh, so there's a fair amount of experience in in my life of of observing this and watching and listening to people. So first thing I think is to say is if we, is to ask ourselves, was there a moment when I, really did believe and for some people actually there's an honesty of saying there isn't I, I don't know when I ever did believe I just went along the, all my friends believed I wanted to fit in I wanted to please my parents so that element is is a big factor and so for in and sometimes in that situation it's not a question of losing our faith it's just a question of waking up and saying it's time to think about whether I own a faith but we'll, if we leave that on one side, if we're a person that can say, I remember being convinced, or I remember feeling close to God, or maybe I, I got baptised and I made a statement of faith, or I, I went and received prayer and I felt something. If we talk about that group, um, I think there are a number of different things, as you say. So, uh, the things that I observe are... Uh, the hurt from other Christians. So being damaged by people who we looked up to or who we respected as Christians or we think ought to behave properly as Christians. Mm. So disillusionment with the church, looking and discovering real hypocrisy, 
perhaps personal damage and hurt caused by Christians. That's a massive one. And you can understand all of that. I think it's really interesting. So a lot of the people I went to Bible college with trained to be ministers. And uh, a lot of them aren't in ministry anymore. And a lot of them have given up on the concept of the local church because they've been so hurt and damaged. They would mm. say, I still love Jesus, but I've been so hurt and damaged by the church. And mm. I think there's lots of people that I know in yeah. that situation, not damaged by our church, I hope, although I suspect we have inadvertently over time. But I think that can then have a knock-on effect on someone's faith as well. Yes. I think yes. that's quite a huge area. It's a massive area. And I think that it's important if, if, we, if we take this evening about trying to protect ourselves or avoid these things happening yeah. to us I think it's really important to try and separate faith in Jesus from faith in church mm. I'm a huge believer in church I love church that's why I lead a church but I believe in it in the basis of it's a bunch of dysfunctional sinners so I think I've talked about this before, but one of the key moments of help to me was as I looked through Moses dealing with the people of God as they came through the Red Sea and wandered the wilderness, is the number of times the Bible says the people grumbled. Mm -hmm. And it dawned on me that the normal experience of humanity is of complaint and conflict and difficulty because human beings are sinners. Mm -hmm. If we have an illusion that people are somehow better because they're a Christian, then I think we're often disillusioned. And for me, a really helpful phrase, which, a phrase which I use a lot, is that disillusionment begins when you have a, a, an illusion, when you start with an illusion that gets dissed. So I think we have to be realistic that human beings are not perfect. Mm -hmm. And any faith in humanity is always going to get disillusioned. That doesn't excuse the behavior of Christians. That doesn't excuse uh, the behavior of churches. But if we invest too much in that. Now, I believe that being, we've done other questions of life about church. I really believe that going to church, being part of a church is essential for our faith. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I expect difficulty, I expect conflict, I expect awkward people. Mm. And, and in fact, probably slightly less than any other human organisation. And we've talked about that before, and when we did Questions of Life on Church, it's worth looking at how we talked mm. about all of that. But some of us will have been hurt by Christians. And we, we need to own that, Partly as Christians, we need to make sure we minimise that and we don't do that. But also, if we are the victim, we need to say, look, I have been damaged. Uh, th they have mm -hmm. treated me badly and that was wrong. Yeah. And that does go on. And working out how we can separate that from who we think Jesus is. Mm. Absolutely. And trying to say, okay, the people who told me about him or the people who introduced him to me, uh, me to him, or the people who I've looked up to teach me, they've let me down. Mm -hmm. But is there still something in Jesus mm -hmm. that matters? Mm -hmm. So that whole area of hurt by Christians is, is the first yeah. really big area. Yeah. And so uh, we need to recognise that. Yeah. Um, and they all kind of flow into each other. So another huge area 
would be where there is any relationship breakdown, where marriages or families are in real conflict and pain, and we yeah. feel uh, our experience of love and security is damaged. And all of that will affect the way we perceive God. Mm -hmm. And linked into that then is this sense of unanswered prayer, of crying out to God, why haven't you done, stopped this? Why have you allowed this to happen to me? Mm. A theology of suffering is really important. And sometimes churches teach a lack of theology of suffering. In other words, they teach you that suffering doesn't happen. Then when it does happen, you're hit with a double disillusionment. You're disillusioned with what you were taught and you're disillusioned with what you're experiencing. I think as we read the New Testament, it is clear that Jesus suffered. Mm -hmm. It is clear that the disciples and the apostles suffered. And we have a choice when we suffer as to whether we turn to God or turn away from God. But if we are under the misunderstanding that he's going to eliminate suffering in our life, we are going to be disillusioned because that's a false idea. This world is broken. It's messed up. That's why we have heaven. If it was possible to have a life of joy and fun with no problems on this earth, then there would be no need for heaven. Mm. Heaven it is needed because this world is broken and messed mm. up and there are broken and damaging and wrong things that happen. Mm -hmm. and that creation has that freedom that one day will be liberated and one day will be judged upon. But right now, bad stuff happens. Mm -hmm. And we can choose to turn to God or we can choose to blame God. Mm -hmm. And that's quite a pivotal moment. It's not an easy choice, but it is our choice. I think sometimes that gets mixed up in all of our emotions and everything else that's that's going on yeah. in, in that situation. So let's say there's a breakdown between us and some people in the church. You know, the people that you would look to in that situation to help you when you don't sense God to be near. Mm -hmm. You maybe don't have that support network around you. You don't have those people that can objectively say, I know it doesn't feel like it. I know this is difficult. God is there. God loves mm -hmm. you. God's with you. You know, God is answering your prayer, but not just in the miraculous way that you want right now and so it's kind of like a double whammy yeah. that, that you see how people when they're isolated um actually it's far easier to go on this journey and it, it's like a a spiral that goes mm. downhill because you don't have the stops and the checks and the people and the community that say just hold on a sec um but i, th I think as, as well people aren't always taught in the most helpful of ways, like you say, they don't often have a theology of suffering, or there's a teaching that actually you should have more faith, and if you had more faith, then your life will be okay. And again, that makes you think, well, am I a Christian? You know, do I just not have any faith? Is that why my prayers aren't being answered? And I think that's another struggle that people throw into the mix as well, if they've not had adequate teaching. Mm, absolutely, and I think that a lot of folks find that the faith that they think they had isn't fit for purpose. Mm -hmm. And often that's because it was mistaught yeah. and it isn't a real um, revelation of Jesus. It's, it's a kind of Old Testament uh, pseudo-religious idea of what God's like. And it's really unhelpful. I think sometimes there's this perception that, oh, come and be a Christian and God will sort everything out and your life will be brilliant from now onwards. That's quite often how it's pitched. Mm. Um, being a Christian is brilliant, it's difficult, and my life hasn't been made any 
you know, it's not made me immune from the difficulties of this world. And I think if I'd have known that in the beginning, it would have been far more helpful that yeah. you're going into it with open eyes, thinking, okay, this isn't to do with me. This isn't to do with my lack of faith, my lack of spirituality. It isn't because I didn't read my Bible yesterday. It's just the world we're living in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it boils down to expectations. And we talked on Sunday in our live stream a bit about expectations. And we made a joke about how I expect things to be bad and then everything, nothing's ever as bad as it, mm. it was going to be. Mm. Um, and I do really believe that's a helpful mm. way of living. I think if we expect God to fix our lives, mm. we're going to be disillusioned. Mm. If actually we say to God, I want to partner with you in trying to make the world what you intended it to be, and I know that's going to be a rough journey, but I'm, I'm up for that um, mission we're not going to be disappointed that life will be rewarding but hard. It will be fulfilling but stressful. There will be kicks and knockbacks, but there will be a sense of we've done what God intended us to do. And I think that's really important. Am I a Christian because I want God to fix my life? Or am I a Christian because I love Jesus? I want to get on board with what he's doing. Absolutely agree with what you're saying, but just a little caveat into that, that God is also the God who redeems and who can take those of us that are broken yeah, and battered absolutely. and have been through the mill and have had horrible things happen to us, that he can, as the Bible talks about, help us to become new creations. But that's not for our self-gain. That's not a God wave a magic wand. That's, that's what you mean when you yeah. say, people say, God fix me. Yeah. So that's what you're speaking at. You're not saying that God doesn't take the areas of our no, lives. No, he's constantly yes. fixing us. Yes. And I think, yes, sorry. Yeah. No, I, I guess what I mean is that tomorrow everything's going to be absolutely perfect and I'm yeah. going to have an easy life. I think that's an unhelpful expectation of God. Yes. And when we have that expectation, we will give up on him because he won't do it. Yeah. Um, he wants us to love him with all our heart, strength and mind and that to produce a love for our neighbour. Mm. He wants us to care for others. If we're saying, actually, God, I'm not really interested in my neighbour, just fix, just mm. do things for me, mm. we're going to get disillusioned. Absolutely. Okay, we've had a message in mm -hmm. uh, from Kath. Good evening, Kath. Um, why is it not easier to be a Christian? Why does God make it so hard? Great well, question. Uh, let me, yeah, I think it's worth trying to explain what I mean. I think it is easier to be a Christian than not to be a Christian. Go for it. It's just not easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just easier than not it's being a easier. Christian. It's easier. I think it is easier to know a God who guides. I think yeah. it is easier to know a God who gives us strength. I think it is easier to know a God who loves us and, and forgives us. I think it is easier to know a future mm -hmm. where everything will be put right. I mm -hmm. think to be a Christian is way easier than not being a Christian. I cannot imagine how difficult it is to go through the pandemic and not know God. I cannot mm -hmm. imagine what it is like to get older and face all the problems of old age without knowing God. I mm -hmm. cannot imagine how you deal with the internet and social media and all of the modern contemporary issues without knowing God. I would far rather know God. Yeah. It is far easier to be a Christian, in my view, than not to be a Christian. Much, much easier. But it doesn't make it easy. There is still a battle between good and evil. There is still um, things that are, are difficult to overcome and to, that, that we work at and that are pressure. There is still conflict. There is still opposition. There are still things that we need to deny and, and, and remove from our lives because mm -hmm. they're unhelpful. So that it's, 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 
it's just not plain sailing being a Christian, mm -hmm. but it is much better mm. than not being a Christian. Mm. And I think sometimes it takes a bit of time to get your head around it all. And it takes time to not compare yourself to other people. And um, it's not all about how we feel. It's about what we believe. And it's about keeping on, keeping on, even though we may not think we're making a great deal of progress, even though we may be thinking, still not sure that I know God. Yeah. Still not sure that I'm a Christian. Keep on going. Mm. Don't give up because it's worth it. Mm. Because you're probably far closer to God and far more connected yeah. to God than you actually yeah. realise. And I think we're going to touch on this in our, our next week's uh, questions of life. But I would rather have the difficulties of life and at the end of life, God say, well done, come and see what you invested in, what mm. you've created. Come and meet the people who you've influenced mm. and are here because of your life than to have a tough life and him say, well, that's it. That's the end of your life. Yeah. <laughs> game achieved over. nothing with yeah. it. So it's much easier to be a Christian than not be a Christian, mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're working through our list of some of the things that, that push us a little bit towards wondering what's God up to? Mm. Where's our faith at? Am I a Christian? Is it all worth it? We've looked at the church, we've looked at breakdown in relationships, we've looked a little bit at teaching. What would you say are some of the other factors that contribute to it? Uh, well, I guess um, if we move on to this, if we go further down this whole area of unanswered prayer mm -hmm. and our choice. So one yeah. of the things that's really damaging is when we choose bitterness. Mm -hmm. When we mm -hmm. choose to hold on to a hurt or a resentment mm -hmm. or a regret or an, a, a, mm -hmm. an anger with somebody or God or life or everybody yeah. or every group of people in a particular band, when we choose not to try to find peace and to find grace and to embrace letting go, then it eats away and destroys faith. Mm. Um, We've talked a lot about forgiveness. I think, again, we've done a whole questions of life on forgiving others and, and trying to recognise there are huge things that people do that are wrong, that we're not, we can't excuse that. And if you choose to forgive someone, it's not that you can only do it if you're not excusing. Excusing it is not forgiveness. You're saying what you did is absolutely and fundamentally wrong, but I am deciding to move on. Mm. And it's complicated as to whether people apologize. It's complicated as to whether people recognize they've done wrong. It's complicated as to whether people are continuing to do it or not. Mm -hmm. And all of those factors, I think we've explored in previous sessions. But the basic choice, when a person says, I will never forgive you, it has a spiritual impact on us. Mm -hmm. And until we decide to revert mm -hmm. that decision, mm we will find ourselves more and more distanced from God. Mm. It's very true that in those situations, the main person that suffers is the person that holds on to it. You think, I'm getting my own back on you. You know, actually, you're not really affecting them mm. often, mm. but it is eating away at you day and night. It festers, it gets worse and worse, and that then infiltrates all the different areas of your life, including your faith. Mm. It's just not, not nice. Yeah. It's not helpful. Yeah. It's easy to do. It is. So human instinct is, right, you've done that to me, right, that's it, not forgiving you. But you have to do it for your own benefit. 
not for those. Mm. It's it's about your peace of mind and your quality of life. Yeah. Rather than letting them off the hook and saying it's okay, it's not about that. Mm. It's mm. not about that. Mm. It's hard. It is. So it's a process for some people. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But it is possible. Yeah. I guess the next area is linked slightly sometimes to that, maybe. I don't, it is where we settle for something that we know isn't what God really wants for us because we think he's wrong mm -hmm. and it will, we'll be happier in life if we have it. Mm -hmm. In other words, there's some value or principle that God has said, look, the best way for you to live mm -hmm. is to not do this or to do that, and we say, I don't care, God, I don't agree with you, or I, mm. I, I just think I will be happier if I can do this. Mm. Uh, and there are two big areas in, in that. One is to do with wealth and mm -hmm. to do with uh, work, where we may perhaps be aware that God says, look, I want you to be a person of generosity, and I want you to be a person of simplicity, mm. and I want you to be a person uh, who shares, and we say, do you know what? I want to be a person who's rich. And we decide that our way of living our life is better than God's way. Mm. And that is a big cause of drifting away from God because mm. we don't want to be in a place where we're going to be reminded that he doesn't want us to spend that amount of time at work or he doesn't mm. want us to use our finances in that way or he doesn't want us to be as greedy or shop as much or whatever it is. So we tend to avoid God because we don't want to hear those things so wealth is one big area the other huge area is in the area of relationships and in the area of sex mm -hmm. where we say I would rather be um, I'd rather have a sex and a companion than wait for the right person mm -hmm. and when we make that choice mm -hmm then we again don't want to be in, reminded of God saying I want you to wait mm -hmm. Mm. And so we tend to push them away. So the, mm. there, are, there are other examples, maybe to do with honesty, mm. um, maybe to do with even to do with something like gossip. Mm. But those are the big ones, wealth and, uh, and relationship sexuality, where people choose and say, I know what you say is best for me, but I don't believe it. And that then creates a, a, a breakdown with, between us and God. I think it's a lack of understanding between us and God. Mm. So if you look at the whole wealth thing, for a lot of people, it is about buying stuff and materialism. But I think at the bottom line is trust. Yeah. Do I trust yeah. that God is going to provide for me? Yeah. And then relationships, I think we get again to this point of trust. Do I trust that God is sufficient for me, even if I'm not married, I'm not having sex, I don't have children, I don't have a partner, whatever it might be. And I think you go back to those two core questions. Do I trust God? Mm. And when you lose sight of that, and you can put a whole host of other examples in there, I think you then become God. You then make decisions. You realise that actually this God isn't up to much. Mm. Uh, I'm going to jack the whole thing in. Mm. Mm. And that's shortening the whole process. But I think it's very dangerous. Yeah. I often say I would rather be single than have married the wrong man. Because I just think, why do I want to heap upon myself? I don't want to compromise. I don't want to just settle. I want God's best for my life. And I believe that whatever it is right now, this is God's best. Each day I get up, right, okay, God, what are we going to do today? This is your day. You've made it. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad. We're going to go into it. It may not mm. be what I planned it to be when I was 16. Mm. 
47. But it is what it is. I trust you. But yeah. that's taken me a while to get to. I'm not yeah, saying yeah, that, you yeah. know, that's an overnight, oh, yeah, that's right. easy. But the bottom line is, do I trust God? Mm. Mm. And it's, it's key mm. in all of this. It is. It is. And I guess the next area kind of, again, they all kind of merge into each other, is the point at which we say, I don't need church. I don't need Christians. I mean, that's a huge contributing factor to losing our faith where we say well I, my faith is perfect I still believe I just don't need to go to church I just don't need to meet with Christians mm. I don't need to be taught the Bible mm. I don't need to be um, in, in, a, in an accountable relationships mm. and particularly where we are at the moment when we just choose an internet faith the value of going to a building and being in a row where it's difficult to get out of is really quite important spiritually, and I'll and and explain why. On the internet, you can turn off anything that might make you feel uncomfortable. You can flick it off. And or you could be on your phone, you yeah. could be completely distracted yeah. and not listening. Yeah. So what you are then doing is you're creating a, a, a blinkers to say, there is no way God can come in and from left field and make me think something that I don't want, him, mm. I don't want to think. Mm. That's quite a dangerous place to be. Mm. God willing, in a few weeks' time, we want to be back in community and we want to encourage everyone who's watching to be, whether it's our community or another church community. Because when somebody else speaks the Bible's truth into our lives and we can't flick channels we are much safer mm. because we're in a place where God can challenge mm. and can say you know have you thought where this is going and what's going on with that and I think that's really important so we often see people lose their faith a period of time after they start saying I don't need to be there mm. I don't need to be in the small group mm. I don't need to be in the service. I can do it from home. I still believe. I don't need church. I don't need Christians asking me how it's going. I don't need people praying for me. I don't need that element of accountability. And the reality is we all need that element of accountability. I think as well, when you come to a service, there's not just the preaching of the word. There's the sung worship. There's the prayers. There's just being with other people. Yeah. Uh, in lots of different places, some will be joyful, some will be struggling in life, but you recognise then that you're part of something bigger and that they inspire you, they encourage you, they're, they're like your cheerleaders, you may not be feeling it, but you see other people around you and you think, actually, yeah, and there's a sense of the Holy Spirit at work in you in those situations, and it won't be perfect, and maybe someone will annoy you, someone might not talk to you, you know, who knows what might happen, but actually it is far more helpful to put yourself in that seat, to come along and put yourself in God's way and say, okay, God, speak. Mm. The, the times that I've most not wanted to go to church have been the times that God has really made it worthwhile is the wrong thing. But yeah. I always go away thinking, I'm so glad I went. It might be for a conversation mm. I had, or it might be that there was a scripture or something that was said, and I just think, yeah, that's for me. It might be a song that we sang, and I just thought, yeah, do you know what, God, I want to go for it with you. I've, I've been cold and hard-hearted. Whatever it might be, there's just been something that sparked something within me, and I'm mm. like, yeah, mm. it's right to be here mm. today. Mm. I don't want to give up mm. on this. I mean, we're paid to go to church, <laughs> and I love but coming every week. I, th I think that some people 
deliberately choose it, but other people it's just distraction because it yes. isn't a priority. Yeah. They just suddenly think, oh, I, uh, I need to go and get that from B&Q or Tesco's or Sainsbury's, or I need to go and watch that kid go and say, I need to go and visit that relative. And you just find after six weeks it's gone and then you stop. That I, we were talking about the fact that, that I, I was reading some research in America where they've done, uh, they've questioned people and they, they are estimating that a third of people who went to church before the pandemic are not going to go back because they are saying in, in research, I've got out of the habit. Mm. I don't need to do it. Mm. And that's the huge danger because mm. that's, I think, a recipe for losing faith when we're no longer in that relationship with people who can say, how's it going, who can inspire us and who can encourage us. And I guess there'll be people now watching and saying, yeah, I'm not sure I am going to go back to church because this is it's much more fun watching the bits I like and turning off the bits I don't. Mm -hmm. And you can understand how that's attractive, but ultimately it doesn't allow God to speak into our lives. We're going to touch on this, as we've said in our, in our next session. But Christianity isn't just a little add-on. Mm. It's not just a label. It's not just a name. All the things that we're talking about require us to enter into it fully mm. like I'm going to go to church I'm going to seek to read my Bible I'm going to seek to trust God I'm going to seek to allow God to help me to begin to forgive that person mm. or to forgive the church or to begin to understand who Jesus is it's not just magic switches come on everything's okay as you say this, this is a journey step by step with God but it's a proactive journey from us that gets mm. the best out of it. And when we're not, and when we just sit back and let it all happen or it'll be all right, it's then when we lose sight of it, mm. isn't it? Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. You got anything else on your list? Well, I think the last one is, is perhaps the thing that people would have thought would be the first, but I, in my experience, is the least significant, and that's simply intellectual questions. Mm -hmm. In my experience... People often come to me and say, I'm losing my faith because I don't understand this. And, they, and you, they raise an intellectual question. And how can God allow this? How can mm -hmm. this be? And you dig down, that's the surface. And underneath are these other things. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to dismiss intellectual questions. And, and I think sometimes we do need to grapple with what we perceive atheists are saying and how they might be challenging our faith. It is important to address the things that are difficult. Mm. Um, but what I've discovered is that if you have the rest in place, if you made a choice to renounce bitterness, you've made mm. a choice to trust God, you've made a choice to keep in fellowship with Christians, if you've made a choice to uh, turn to God even when you can't see the answers to your prayer, if you've made those choices... Mm. Uh, you can accept the things that you don't understand. Mm. And you can say, I may not know all the answers to all the questions. Mm. And there are things I don't understand, mm. but they don't worry me. Mm. Um, when I get to heaven, I'll find out the answer. Mm. And there are lots of good places that people can go to discuss or find questions out some of, of these answers. Questions of life, obviously. <laughs> but also be careful where you go on the internet with yeah. the places that you look. Because you can just do a Google search for something and... Just be careful at the things that uh, you can choose to look at on the internet. If people have got a question about something, uh, get in touch with us. Yeah. We'd be more than happy to talk yeah. to them, to point them in the right direction, mm -hmm. give them some books to read, things like that, podcasts. And we discovered if you Google search, is God, is, is God real? 
that the question? D does God exist? Does God exist? Try Googling that and see who comes up in yeah. the first page. Yeah, top four. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're talking about uh, faith and, and how we can... There are some people that just say, no, I'm not a Christian. Some people that are going, feeling, oh, this is ebbing away, mm. it's slipping away. Mm. Uh, and we've talked about there's lots of different factors within that. Question that, that people have, I think particularly about loved ones that maybe it would seem have wandered away from the faith. Will they go to heaven? There's this saying, once saved, always saved. Mm. Will they forfeit their right to go to heaven if their faith is lukewarm, if they go off this way, or if they renounce it completely? Mm. What do you think about that? I think it's a really important question to try and grapple with. I don't think we, we know fully all the answer or can know the answer in every person's situation. But I would say this, the first thing is about ourselves. So I, I meet loads of people who worry that they have lost their faith, who worry that they are not good enough to be Christian, who worry that they have at different times been angry with God or doubted God, and as a result, are not sure whether God, they have lost their faith. Yeah. I would say 100% they have not lost their faith. If you are worried, yeah. you've not, because yeah. God is... God is not looking for a reason to send, turn people away. He's looking for a reason to include people. And yeah. that's what we need to gra grasp as a fundamental, that Jesus came into the world to save. Mm. He didn't come into the world to reject. Mm. He came into the world to save. So he's looking to find any glimmer of, of love for him. So anybody who's watching this who says, oh, have I committed the unforgivable sin? Am I in some way? No, because you wouldn't be worried about it. The second area then is that I do believe that one of the great pictures of, of, of Christianity is of a house. And that, the, that there is a point in our life where we say to God, uh, come into me and buy me, if you like. Come and own my house uh, with temples, if you like. And this language is in the New Testament that he buys us. The price is the, the death and, and blood of Jesus. And he owns us. We belong to him. We're sealed with the Spirit. We're sealed with his Holy Spirit. He comes to live mm -hmm. within us. And if we take all of that mm -hmm. picture uh, uh, helps seriously, then he doesn't keep moving in and out depending mm -hmm. on how our whim. We have the power and the capability to lock him out of rooms mm -hmm. of our life. We even have the power and the capability to lock him out of the most of our roof and, uh, root of our life and, and condemn him to the cupboard under the stairs. Mm -hmm. But he will still own us. Mm -hmm. So if there has, we can look back at a point in our life and, and, or we can look back in the point of someone we love's life and we, there was a time when they declared their faith in Jesus mm. and it was clear and they were living by it. Mm. I don't think God lets them go. Mm. I don't think our salvation is dependent on our state at the point that we die. Mm. When he buys us, he buys us. And mm. if I reject, backslide, drift, get angry with him, and that characterizes the latter years of my life. I believe that God is faithful mm. and he holds on to us. Mm. So I don't think that I or others lose faith. I think we need to, to just, if we're presuming on that, we need to just be careful that we did have a faith in the first place. So if some, I think we just need to be cautious of that. The Bible does seem, I think, give the freedom 
for a person to consciously decide that they no longer want to be saved by the death of Jesus and that they wish to trust in an alternative religion mm -hmm. as a way of salvation. Now, most of the things we've talked about are not about choosing another religion. Mm -hmm. They're about being disappointed or disillusioned or, or separated from God. And I don't think God lets people go on these things. So all the things we've talked about, whether it's bitterness, whether it's mm -hmm. ceasing to go to church, whether it's choosing not to trust God in lifestyle, I don't think he gives up on us. Mm -hmm. He is faithful. I think he just holds us. If we condemn him to the stair, cupboard under the stairs, and I say this often, I think he just keeps knocking on the radiator pipes and he'll always be there. Mm -hmm. There'll always be that niggly little conscience. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I believe most people mm -hmm. will let him back out, mm -hmm. whether it's on our deathbed or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think the New Testament, in Hebrews particularly, it gives the, the, the freedom... Mm -hmm if you consciously decide that the death of Jesus is not what you want to trust, then he allows us to, to be separated from that. It's a little caveat, as long as you're of sound mind. Yes, absolutely. So if somebody is completely depressed yeah. and suicidal yeah. and not thinking straight and desperate, uh, and they think, I'm going to explore another faith or what have you, they're not in their what we would call their objective yeah. right mind. Yeah. God is a gracious and loving God. And I don't believe that he would be right. Okay. Bang, you're gone. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that that eventuality is so rare mm -hmm. that we probably, none of us will ever encounter it. But the, the, God in his grace allows it to be a possibility if you mm -hmm. really, really, really felt that another religion was the mm -hmm. better way. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I often think of my brother. So uh, growing up, we went to a Church of England church and uh, he went off to boarding school when he was 11, didn't particularly enjoy it. And he used to, with the old school, he used to write me letters. So I'd get a, a letter every weekend and um, I got this letter once. He said, uh, don't worry about me. Uh, I hate it here, uh, but Jesus is with me. There was a sense that in the midst of all of that, he was saying, Jesus is with me. There was an obvious relationship between him and Jesus. I have it in writing. And uh, later on in his life, you know, he didn't prioritize Christianity. Mm. Went to church occasionally when there was a massive crisis in his life. Occasionally he would let me pray about a situation, but was very not up for it in many senses. And when he died, he died very suddenly from a heart attack. Somebody independently in our church had a, a picture for my family because there was a sense of sadness that he was on his own when he died. And they had this picture of two angels coming and picking my brother up and taking him with them. And just this sense of, I don't know, love and affirmation from God saying, I was with him, he's with me, he, he's fine. And it makes me emotional now, but just the comfort mm. that that brought to our family, that he was a guy who struggled in life, who wasn't always the greatest. And you look at and you think, was not a glowing Christian, wouldn't go to church and a whole load of other things. But God held him, God kept him because there was a point in his life where actually he meant it. There was a relationship. Uh, and I think God holds us unless we completely renounce it and say no more, I do believe Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And I, I hesitate to say something controversial, but I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to say something controversial. 
<laughs> warnings, warnings. Nobody will remember anything else apart from what I'm about to say. I think, well, here's a non-controversial thing first. It's clear when Jesus deals with the other thief on the cross and he says, today you'll be with me, mm. that Jesus is dying to save people yeah. and he just is looking for that glimmer, yeah. that moment. That guy only had mm. a few minutes mm. to respond to Jesus. Mm. And Jesus says, you'll be with me yeah. for eternity. So God is not looking for a lifetime of commitment. Mm. That would be, I would, he obviously would rather that there was a lifetime of, of service and kingdom building. But if it's not possible, he's just looking for that glimmer. Here's a controversial thing. And uh, this is something I, 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 I want to look into more. It would appear in the way the Bible speaks about people of faith that a person's faith affects their family. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going into infant baptism or anything like that, but there is something that suggests that when, that a person of faith, that that faith uh, envelops immediate family mm-hmm. uh, and is, there's more chance of what you're talking about because you and your parents prayed and and out of God's love for you, mm-hmm. he gives that sense of assurance for your brother. Mm-hmm. And that in God's love for, I suppose what the old New Testament is, God's love for the saints, for mm-hmm. the people who are devoted to him, he says, mm-hmm. and your generations mm-hmm. and your children's children, mm-hmm. that there seems to be some sense of the mercy and blessing of God extends to mm-hmm. our children. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't fully know what that means. It's not an invitation for us to say, oh, because my parents are Christian, I don't need to bother. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. before I get messages, <laughs> but I am saying that I think if I'm a parent, something of my faith is in my children. Yeah. I don't know if that sounds heretical. No, 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 is. no, I absolutely agree. And there's a responsibility on parents as to how they go about their faith and, and yeah. the whole relationship with their children as we've talked about before uh, now Steve Evans uh, has sent a message in I love Steve's messages because he's always so um, polite he says good evening I, I can read this one as well there aren't any long words in it <laughs> you were watching us on Sunday I struggled with a very, very long word but anyway he says good evening I know and hear of many people that experience the death of a loved one and blame God and lose mm. faith how could we ever reassure them or support them to try and find faith again? I think, I think there's no point sort of trying to persuade or tell people don't be, you know, change your mind or whatever. I think we love people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of friends of mine. No, I won't go down that story. Go That's personal to them. Yep. <laughs> I, th- I think that um, we, we, we just keep praying and mm. we keep loving. Mm. Uh, I don't know that you can intellectually say, look, because you've lost this loved mm. one, it's not God's fault. And uh, uh, I always think that's more unhelpful. So I'll, I'll often be with people who will say, why did God allow that, this to happen? 
And I don't try and give an answer to that because I think that's really unhelpful. Other than sometimes I might say, I don't think God did. Mm. It's just happened. Mm. But mm. I, I think that we pray for people. Mm. And we just pray that the love of God would envelop them and we put mm. them in his hands. And I don't think, I think we mustn't reject people who reject our faith. Mm. We mustn't reject people who become bitter or disillusioned mm. or whatever it is. I think we just have, we, we must stay in relationship. We mm -hmm. stay faithful mm -hmm. as an expression of God's faithfulness of rather than we withdraw out of embarrassment or oh, because they don't share what we believe anymore, we can't be friends. I mean, that's, that's the worst aspect. I think it's just staying in it and love and giving them time to grieve and giving them time to talk it out and express their anger. I think it's very important to allow people to be angry with God, to allow people to, to tell us how they hate God and how he's letting them down. Because remember, hating God is, is actually a form of belief in him. It's far worse than not blame God. Mm -hmm. So let them talk it out. Let them voice it. I don't mm -hmm. think it's helpful to, to say to people, oh, you mustn't say that. Mm -hmm. Let them say it. Mm -hmm. Let them rant. Mm -hmm. There's lots, we've talked about this before. There's lots of rants mm -hmm. in, the, in the Bible. So let them speak it out. Don't condemn them. Don't judge mm -hmm. them. Let them be as honest and as angry. And I know from my own experience that very often when I voice something, that's the moment when it begins, I begin to change my mind. Mm. And that if I continually um, bottle something up and it's in it unexpressed, it gets bigger in my mind. But the more I can say, God, what were you doing? The more I can understand what he was doing. Yeah. So let, it's just being alongside and letting them pour it out and, um, and express it. Um. Well, it's part of grief. I think the why question is very much part of the grief journey. Yeah. Whether you've got faith, whether you haven't got faith, whether you've been annoyed by God, the why has this happened is a, is a fundamental question that we as a human race ask and that yeah. we ask in that situation. Yeah. Unless that person died very peacefully in their sleep at the age of 100 and hadn't lost all of their faculties or whatever, then there's a sense of, oh, that was the yeah. right way to die. Yeah. For everybody else, there, there is that question. Yeah. And it's right to ask it, as you say. And there is anger. There are emotions that, yeah. that are brought up in, in, in grief. Uh, and that's the body's way of dealing with it and your emotions are, are good things. I yeah. completely agree with you. Yeah. Let people vent. Yeah. One of the things we did as a church before COVID was to run the bereavement course. Um, it was written by a woman that's a Christian, but it wasn't necessarily a Christian course. And the idea was that people came and watched some videos and went through just understanding the different stages of grief. And in the group times, there was this rule that people could say what they wanted and nobody else would be offended. Uh, because people felt different things and people needed to be able to say, that's great for you that you've coped in this way. But for me, that's what it meant. But mm. I think it was listening, journeying with them, saying it's okay to be real with me, mm. but praying and praying like mad behind the scenes and praying that there would be that encounter. Yeah. That God loves them. So God's going to do all he can to say, I'm here, I love you, I want to help, I want to carry you, I want to walk with you. That's my basis, basic premise of God. God is love. It's not rejecting them. So we partner with God and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And just carry on. Absolutely. I, I think, I mean, I suppose one of the questions we're getting to is, is how we stop ourselves 
falling away. Yeah. And I look back at my life and one of, and we've talked about this loads of times, but I am sure one of the pivotal things for me is that the, as a new Christian at the age of 17, one of my best friends was killed in a motorbike accident. And I got it out, I got all those questions mm -hmm. out in the open early on. Mm -hmm. And it taught me that death is part of life. There is, mm. there is no way any of us are going to go through life without the death of somebody we love when we didn't want them to die. Yeah. It is not possible to avoid it. I am glad it happened to me at 17 and then at 21 when my dad died. I am mm -hmm. glad it happened then. If it, if it happens to you the first time and you're in your 50s or 60s and that's the first time somebody you know dies who you think shouldn't have done, it's massively mm. hard. Mm. It really is hard. Mm. So uh, we, we have to live with the reality of death. Mm. Mm. And it's, a, it's an illusion to think I will avoid grief. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is just a quick, quick little answer. Uh, you've mentioned this and the Bible talks about it. What is the unforgivable sin? So it's... Uh, um, well, it's <laughs> quick answer. Quick answer. Well, no, In the time. context of where Jesus talks about it, yep. it was said to the religious leaders who were deliberately, knowing that God was at work, they were deliberately saying it was Satan. Mm. Uh, and he says, don't do that. Mm. Now, I don't think... If they'd had said to him immediately, we're sorry, I think it would have been forgiven. So there are two answers to the question, what is the unforgivable sin? The first thing, the unforgivable sin is anything where we say, I don't need you to forgive me, God. Because mm. he can't forgive what we don't acknowledge as mm. sin. And if we say, I, I'm, I'm perfect, I don't mean that we have to go through every aspect of our life and try and remember. I just mm. mean if we have an attitude towards God of saying, I'm perfect, mm then we're in trouble. Mm -hmm. So fundamentally, whenever we say to God, I'm sorry, he will forgive us. There is nothing you can do that he will say, I don't care how many times you say sorry, you won't be forgiven. There is nothing. So if we say to God, I'm sorry, we will be forgiven. Full stop. However, what Jesus is saying is don't turn against me and call me demonic because it is a a very unhealthy place to be choosing evil over God. Mm. And that's a very, very rare thing that any of us do. And it's it, the, the, what we talked about earlier, about deciding that we no longer wanted Jesus, we wanted another religion. That's that same ballpark. It's about consciously knowing with right mind, deliberately, I am choosing another spiritual force other than God. And the Bible says that calls it unforgivable, not because if we repented, we wouldn't be forgiven, yeah. but because it will mess with us so much that we probably won't ask for forgiveness. Yeah. So just talking about forgiveness, just as I'm looking at this message that has come in, uh, you say don't, don't ask God for forgiveness for everything that you've done. So when Jesus died on the cross uh, and uh, we said, yes, Jesus, we believe that you died for me, forgive my sins. Uh, everything that we've done and will do it's forgiven. How often should you say sorry and what should you say sorry for? So I think fundamentally we need an attitude of humility. Mm -hmm. 
if you boil all those things down, it boils down to pride versus humility. Then our walk with God is a daily of saying, God, I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm not the finished article, the stuff in my life. That that attitude, we will go get closer and closer to God. We will change more and more mm. and we will grow. Mm. If we have the attitude of, God, you're so lucky to have me following you. <laughs> and everything in the world is everybody else's fault. Yeah. And nothing that's going wrong is anything ever to do with me. We will find ourselves distanced from God. Mm. And if that has always been our attitude, and we've gone to church and we've, because we believe the church is where good people go and we are good and we do all the right good things because we go to church. Mm. And actually, we don't really understand this bit about confession and saying sorry. And we're not really sinners. Sinners are the people who don't go to church. If that is our attitude, we probably aren't Christians. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to sort it out mm. because that level of arrogance is incompatible mm. with understanding what Jesus is doing on the cross. Mm. Absolutely. And that's called religion. Yeah. And it's deeply damaging. Yeah. Um, so when I meet with Jesus... I don't think he is going to go through my life and say, well, you didn't apologise for that and you didn't apologise for this. He's going to, he's going to look, is, did this guy believe he was a sinner who needed Jesus? Mm -hmm. And he's going to find, yes, he did. He knew that. <laughs> and because of that, everything I've done is off the paper. It's, it's, it's wiped clean. I'm mm -hmm. for, it, it's gone. Mm -hmm. And I have the goodness of Jesus before mm. God. That's what we believe. Mm. And it's about that. That's the heart of it. And if we've never had that, then we've not yet become a Christian. And we can do that tonight. We can mm. do that tomorrow. We can do mm. that straight away. We can say, God, I need you. Mm. Have mercy on me. Mm. That's what the guy on the cross says to Jesus. Have mercy on me. Mm. That's what matters. We have to have that attitude. If we've never had that attitude, or we haven't got it now, we need to question whether we've really grasped it. Mm. Absolutely. I've got a comment in here from uh, Nikki Cleave, just picking up on this sense that the world isn't always easy and difficult things will happen. She said, I can't remember who said either of these things. I think the most damaging thing someone said to me was, if you feel like that, what are you doing here? In contrast, someone said, we live in a wonky world. Yes. We do live in a wonky world. Not everything is not mm. as we would want it to be. Life is tough. Mm. It's great at times, but it's also difficult. And and it's lovely to have Nikki. Those yes. of us that know Nikki's an ins inspiration on that. Absolutely, absolutely. So as we come into land, uh, what can we do if we think we've lost our faith, or what are just some of the things that we can avoid and can help I think, us with I think our faith? To avoid, I think there's four key choices. I think we choose to turn to God then rather than turn away from him. I think we choose to let go rather than to hold on to anger and resentment. Mm -hmm. I think we choose to trust rather than to choose to do what we want mm -hmm. all the time. And I think we choose the community of believers rather than isolation. So if we try and make those four choices, we'll still drift from God. I mm. drift from God, you drift from God. Mm. We, it's a thing that happens, but mm. we won't be in the place of saying, have I lost my faith? Mm. 
if we think I'm in a place of, have I lost my faith because I've got questions, because I've got doubts, because I'm uncertain, I suspect we haven't because even the questioning of it, and certainty is not, we've talked before about doubt, there's another question of life on, about mm. doubt. I don't think certainty is genuine or helpful most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we've all got different degrees of questioning, so don't worry about questioning, don't worry about um, not having things that you're questioning or arguing with God about. All of that's fine and normal. If we think I'm getting to the point where I completely want to give up, mm. I would just say, just cry out to God mm. and be honest. And it goes back to almost our first questions mm. of life, which was about just being honest with God. Yeah. And tell him. Mm. Tell him you're not sure if he's there. Tell him you don't know why he's done what he's doing. Tell him that you can't stand... Christians and Sutton Baptist and Kath and Donald yeah. anymore and the, mm. if they, that you want to punch their lights out. Mm. Tell God all Don't mm. do it. Just tell God about <laughs> him. Express it to God. Mm. Uh, and don't deny it. Mm. But in owning it, we'll move through it. Mm. And if anyone's done something that they're sitting there thinking, I've really stuffed up. What does God think of me? God loves. God forgives. God gives us second, third, fourth, five hundredth chance. And if you're sitting there tonight thinking, I don't know if I know God, what would you say? Just ask him. Just ask him to reveal himself and over the next few days see what happens. See what comes to mind, see what events occur, see what things you read and hear. Just ask him. Have a look at scripture. Um, have a look at John's gospel. Just start reading the beginning of John. Um, It's as simple as saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Mm. Lord, mm. have mercy. Come into my life. Have mm. mercy. That's all we need to do. Mm. And it always answers that. But we may not feel a thing. Mm. But if we say to God, have mercy on me. Come into my life. He will. And he mm. does. And he will never leave us or forsake us. Mm. And that's the bottom line in all of this, that wherever we are on that spectrum, whether we've never known God, whether we're fed up with faith, whether we're thinking I'm losing it, God doesn't change mm. in what he thinks of us. God is desperate for us to be in relationship mm. with him, for us to know his love, his presence with us, his help, but also to be released to be the people that he's created us to be and to be part of building his kingdom and to be part of yeah. changing the world. That, that never changes. Yeah. That's his heart, the father heart of God, is that he loves us. Yeah. So wherever we're at, God loves us and God will always reach his hand out to grab us yeah. and, and pull us up. Yeah. doesn't matter what we've done, where we are, how we feel, he's unchanging. Yeah. And I think finally, for me, to, to, I think finally, is, is if we think we have our parents' faith, if we think I only believe this because that's the way I've brought up, uh, it's, it's going back to that same thing mm -hmm. of saying, crying out and saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Mm -hmm. that, that if you get to the point you think, it, my faith is, is not the behaviours I've learned, it's not the things I was told. It's not the stories I can remember. It's not the Bible verses I can quote. That's all my upbringing. Mm. It's, God, do I want your mercy? Mm. Do I want you in my life? Mm. And I would encourage you, even if you think you've, even if everybody thinks you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for years, just say that prayer, Lord, mm. have mercy. Come into my life. Mm. Brilliant. Thank you.